This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. And welcome everyone to the Must Listen To Saturday Morning Sports Talk Show in all of Acadiana. Under the Dome with CD, and of course, it is yours truly. Yo, it's me. It's me. The world-famous CD with you on a beautiful, positively delightful, if you haven't stepped outside yet, you need to maybe not go out anywhere, but definitely step outside for a minute and feel the beautiful weather that is going on right now. Meanwhile, I'm stuck inside the beautiful 1037 The Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And we certainly are looking good. We're enjoying what's going on right now in the Acadiana area. And there's a lot of things to talk about on today's show. And it is a stacked lineup. I'll get to that in a little bit. There's plenty of things to kind of go around here. And guess what? The hotline is open at 337-706-0111 for this segment. You might have a hard time getting in a little bit later because we've got a couple guests in the 10 o'clock hour. And then I'll definitely have some shots to put up when it comes to the Saints 2020 schedule. I'll do that during hour number two. And we'll talk a little UFC 249 around 1130. So trust me, the hotline is going to be at a premium on this program today. And, you know, every time I say, you know, this is the best Saturday morning sports talk show in Acadiana, I'm part of Acadiana's number one sports station. So it means one thing. That I got to be the best of all. That just cutting dried. I'm the best. Whether you like it or not, you're looking at, woo, the greatest, the best looking man, the best dressed man, long limousines, jet airplanes, custom made clothes. And any woman in the world I want, just like that. And for the most part, I usually try and have a great opening segment that kind of just centers in on the biggest topic in all of sports. But sometimes you have things like what happened on Friday. And I have to say, content is falling like the rain that hit the Acadian area yesterday afternoon. And I'm all the way here for it. I'm pretty flexible for the most part when it comes to content. And I'm going to go ahead and steer straight into that skid and have a lot of fun with this because it's one heck of a way to start the show on a Saturday morning. It's not what's on tap, but there's plenty of things that I want to get to. It's not quite a split screen, but I think you're going to love it. And if you remember that show back in the day called Press Your Luck, this is kind of how I want to do this in terms of the headlines. I'm going to put it up and try and avoid some of those dreaded whammies. So let's get this bad boy started. All right, all right, big bucks, big bucks, no whammies, no whammies, stop. 
All right, that involves the Alabama Crimson Tide, and that is Talia Tungavailoa entering the transfer portal. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that name right. But Tua's little brother has entered the portal, and it's a big surprise because you think that Talia would have a chance to start over Mac Jones, who played a good bit after Tua wound up missing due to that hip injury. He appeared in five games for the Tide as a freshman last season, completing 9-12 of 12 passes, 400 yards, and a touchdown. But somehow third in line behind the aforementioned Jones, an incoming freshman, Bryce Young, according to numerous reports. And, you know, it's crazy. Two years to the day of Joe Burrow transferring from the Ohio State University, the younger Takavailoa was close to landing at LSU, if some remember. So maybe, just maybe, the re-recruiting of him could change that conversation. He could come on over to Baton Rouge and presumably have three years of eligibility. That's kind of the big question because he's obviously his redshirt freshman year. That got burnt because he played in five games. But you also got to keep it in mind, maybe he wants to stay close to the big bro Tua, and I think maybe he spent some time over in the 305 and be part of the U with the Miami Hurricanes. It's always something to keep an eye on, but it's definitely one of the biggest things that I saw happen last night or Yesterday afternoon, I should say, because this was like towards the end of Ben's show, this stuff started popping up. But we're going to spin the wheel, make the deal once again. All right, all right, no whammies, no whammies, big bucks, big bucks, and stop. Quack, 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 Mr. Ducksworth. Quack, 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 Gordon. quack, stop, quack, 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 quack. And if we're talking about the Quack Pack, we're talking about Oregon football. They're in danger of not having a packed crowd for their season opener against the Ohio State. And there's a lot of other things that we can talk about when it comes to Oregon football. That's an interesting part of the conversation because Oregon Governor Kate Brown talked yesterday about starting to open up the state slowly, a lot like several other states, including us here in Louisiana, and also mentioned large events such as concerts, festivals, sporting events included, and that any of these types of gatherings should be canceled or at least modified through the month of September because these can't take place until there's more reliable treatment for COVID-19. It's a smart way to go about it. It all makes sense, but at the same time, it does not mention much about what it can mean for college sports where the Ducks and Beavers play. Saying canceled or modified makes me think that you're either going to have to outright cancel it or you have to play in the case of Oregon football and Oregon State football without fans. But, of course, there's other stuff going on in terms of college football that could really determine the fate of Oregon's athletic program, along with a lot of other ones across this great country of ours. But that's kind of an interesting whole thing. But for me, and I think we can all agree, that if the schools can return to campus, then we can start talking about college football being back. But, well, Muschamp mentioned earlier this week, they would need about eight weeks to get ready. From the time they return to campus to the start of the season, eight weeks, and I can get with that. Because you look at, look around the world of college football, only like 50 teams actually finished their spring football schedule on time. That is an amazing statistic I saw pop up. Give credit where credit is due to the, to the good brother Ross Dellinger breaking it all down for us. And that's another big thing is just the way college football could be and Oregon looks to be a little bit ahead of the game, going as far as September, not having fans in the stands or having live concerts, festivals, what have you, 
definitely an interesting time. But we're going to go ahead and, and spin that big board once again. All right, all right, all right. No whammies, no whammies. Big bucks, big bucks. Stop. From downtown, boom, shakalaka. Oh, here we go. This is going to be a good one. we got to talk about the NBA's big conference call. Adam Silver had a conference call with players on Friday night, and he has said he's willing to wait until June before deciding on a firm plan to resume the season while raising the likelihood of two fanless sites for the playoffs. He also mentioned that he's still hopeful the playoffs can still feature traditional best-of-seven series at two fanless sites. This should entice the people in terms of how this thing could wind up going. Las Vegas for the West and Orlando's Disney World for the East. So, hypothetically, you'd have the East wind up hosting potentially the Disney, the NBA Finals in Disney World, in Disney World, excuse me, or Las Vegas hosted out in the West Coast. I think there's going to be an interesting parallel to see what happens there because I think they want to try and get this season done, but they're going to hold off until at least June to decide on this plan. When honestly. I'm in the camp, and I've been in the camp in the past just to say, hey, it's time to move on and just shut this season down, pick up a Christmas day for the 2020-2021 season without fans. He's delaying the inevitable. I think it's a smart way to go about it. It sucks for a lot of players in the NBA, but it's probably what's best for the future. And Shaquille O'Neal kind of mentioned the same thing earlier this week on the DA show, and I was definitely kind of like, yeah, I'm in that same camp. I've been in that same camp for a hot minute. So hopefully we see it go towards that route. And I think I've got some confidence that I can avoid the whammy a couple more times. So I'm going to go ahead and spin the wheel a couple more times. All right, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Big bucks, big bucks, big bucks, big bucks. And stop. Play ball. And we're talking about the MLB. Yes, there's a lot of things going on about the potential start of the season. Rumor and innuendo say it's going to be about the month of July, the first weekend in July. So trust me, you're going to want to check this out. And I am looking forward to looking to see what's going to happen there. But it's all about the MLB draft when it comes down to it in terms of what I want to talk about. And we mentioned it weeks ago with Kylie McDaniel. He was the one that kind of dropped the first report about this. But Friday, the news came down that it's going to happen. He goes down can play for up to $20,000. They can get paid a max of twenty k. It's not exactly ideal. It will cause some other things to happen at the collegiate level. There's going to be a lot of things that go on. Kendall Rogers, I know he was on with RP3 and company earlier this week. He wound up kind of explaining a lot of stuff as things went on on Friday, and that wound up causing a lot more of an interesting show, if you will. But then you could also say, you know, we can't help but to feel for guys like Hayden Cantrell, some of these juniors that are probably going to be losing their leverage, guys that probably would have gone in the like past round five, guys who would have gone like round six, round seven. Are you going to take the like if you're a college athlete and you're not getting paid, are you going to say, Hey, I'm gonna go ahead and take this twenty thousand dollars now with the hope that I can kind of get a get a raise down the line, get this twenty thousand dollars and roll with it or are you going to take your or are you going to wind up saying hey i'm gonna go ahead and take one more year that way i can get drafted and get what i'm worth of course that's if they can if things can go back to normal in 2021 that's the biggest it's a huge gamble for a lot of these players across this great country of ours especially when you look at guys like hayden cantrell 
I felt like he was starting to, he could have wound up turning it around. This team was turning things around after a slow start. But now we'll never know. We'll never know what the first year of the Degs era could have been like, but hopefully things can turn around before long. Now, before we get out of here, I got one more spin left on me. Let's see if I don't go completely bankrupt. All right, I've gone through a bunch of headlines. I want big bucks, big bucks. I want the jackpot and stop. Oh, darn it. We hit the whammy. It took long enough, I feel like, for us to hit the whammy. So a couple things. that are, These are whammy headlines. You got Roy Horn of Siegfried and Roy passed away last night following a diagnosis of COVID-19. You also had Little Richard, the icon, he passed away this morning. Stuff's kind of breaking news. And this is a former, this is a Louisiana Music Hall of Famer. Little Richard passed away at the age of 87. We'll play some Little Richard for you later later on in the program. But we've got a stacked guest list for you. We're, we're rolling three deep. I could have gone four weeks, but I cannot wait to talk to a couple of guests in this hour. 1030, we're talking to our guy, Steve Lassen, college football. What will it take to come back fully with, without fans, whatever it is. And also maybe we'll talk a little bit about, about to his little bro going to the transfer portal. What what the possibility of having college football in terms of the video game back in the future, how long that could take. We'll talk to him about all that and so much more at 1030. But I've got a special guest coming on the program in just a few minutes. The Cajuns quarterback commit everybody's been talking about since Monday. They got another commit earlier today. I'll give you some deets about that. But we have a dandy of a guest coming for you from Ridgeland, Mississippi, Zy McDonald, quarterback out of Mississippi. We'll talk to him about his committing to the culture and a whole lot more. And maybe you'll learn a thing or two about this new Cajuns commit. And we'll be back with that and a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. And let's get this Saturday started off right. And let's enjoy it. Even in these trying times, the world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. And you got you to gotta love how things kind of work. I got in touch with the, with the young man, and he said he was able to do a 10-15, and things just kind of not necessarily able to work out at this moment. Going to keep trying and get him on the program. Definitely the, the real downside of like having to – host, produce, and everything in between when it comes to the show is like not necessarily being able to land this guest, land this plane, if you will. Hopefully we can get it in just a little bit, and hopefully we can get him on. Looks like we're going to try and I'm gonna hit him up, and we'll go and I'll try and get him on the show. And we're going we're gonna to push some things back a bit because we're going to try – and I'm going to try and get him on the show, get him ready to go, because he's actually kind of taking care of business 
in terms of an academic perspective, we'll talk to him about that a whole lot more in just a little bit. But I was talking about something when we went to break about a UL football commit joining the program. Another one on top of Zion McDonald, quarterback out of Mississippi, and Trevor Russell out of Arizona, a wide receiver, actually committed last night. That's going to be a wide receiver out of Arizona, definitely in Billy Napier kind of country at this point. So, again, another commit added to the fire for the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there with him. And I think that's going to be another really solid commit for the Cajuns, and we've seen what he's been able to do with guys out of Arizona in the past. We saw Nick Ralston, who really made fullbacks great again, and hopefully he can continue to do that in the future. But, again, Sometimes things just don't necessarily work out, not able to get them live at 10.15, as I thought. But I think we're going to try and get them on in the next segment. We'll push Steve Lassen back a bit. And, okay, we're going okay, we're gonna, to we're gonna do a little plan. So we're going to go ahead and try and try and try and pull this off. We're improvising the hell out of this segment. Because why the heck not? We This show always has had an improvisational toe. Tone, excuse me, and we're gonna we're gonna try and get him on the show. And you know, it's always interesting just to try and get a guest on the program as the show's going on. Because okay, it looks like we got him, and right now we we're gonna go to the game hotline. He is a quarterback for the Ridgeland Titans. Had a solid junior season, over three thousand yards through the air, six hundred yards rushing, and earlier this week he committed to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. For the class of 2021, and that is Zy McDonald. Zy, how's it going? Uh, it's going very well. What about you? Oh, it's going fantastic. And I saw this pop up this morning, and I can't believe I didn't find this out sooner. Your uncle's Deuce McAllister, great, former Saints running back, great, probably one of my favorite Saints of all time. But what's what must that be like to have somebody like that kind of help you out and be able to like be able to have a guy like that to go to for advice? Uh, you know, growing up, I never really just realized that he was famous when I was really young when he was in the league. But now, he's like a great person to uh, ask questions about because he's going through what he went through the same thing that I'm going through now. So I feel like he gives me a lot of advice, a lot of great advice about sports, life, and all that. So it's good to have him. And Deuce seems to have, seems to really have a good head on his shoulders. And with you, more more in particular, is I think it's such an interesting time to be a guy getting ready to commit to different programs in the class of 2021 in the midst of this pandemic. But what's the recruiting process been like for you and you getting offers from several programs across this country? What's that? What's this recruiting process been like? Uh, it's been coming. Stressful at times, kind of weird because I can't visit campuses or nothing right now. So it's been kind of weird, but I try to uh, look up videos about Lafayette and different things like that to try to get a feel of what the place is like. And I just felt like it was the right place, honestly. So uh, you you hadn't had like an official visit, right? No, sorry. I mean, that's just wild to think like it's crazy to think that that that's kind of how things are during this time is like you're not able to take these ovs and see what's go see what really is going on 
at you while you're able to see videos. But trust me, whenever you see that swamp, it's a whole different situation when it comes down to it. But, you know, when did the Cajuns extend an offer to you? Uh, it was a couple weeks ago. We've been talking for a little bit, so. Talk right now with Zy McDonald, Ridgeland's, Ridgeland Titans quarterback and also a Cajuns commit earlier this week. And, you know, the decision to join the culture, and this is culture with the UL capitalized, that Billy Napier has developed over the last two years, did that make the decision an easy one for you to make? Uh, yes, sir. I love the conversations I had with Coach Napier. I love the conversations that I had with other coaches on the staff. You know, a lot of them would talk to me and text me uh, a lot. Uh, maybe feel like they was family, and I like that a lot. And, you know, whenever you actually tweeted out your announcement, you also included Coach DJ Looney. What's kind of the relationship with him? Because I think that's interesting. He's offensive line coach, and he definitely knows a lot about this program. This is an offensive line coach, excuse me. But what what's the relationship with you and Looney like? Uh, it's great, you know. Uh, I love Coach DJ Looney. He's a very cool guy, laid-back guy. And he doesn't just talk about football with me. He talks about life and things like that. So I like that a lot. But my uh, relationship with him, with him is very good. And, you know, I looked at your stats last season. I brought up earlier over 3,000 yards passing, 600 yards rushing, a heck of a talent. And it reminded me a lot of current Cajuns QB, Levi Lewis, and what he was able to bring to the table. And was that a big selling point to see how they've adapted the offense to his type of play on the field, and that wound up resulting in a lot of great success, first-ever double-digit win season. How much did that have an influence in the decision? Uh, it made a great influence on the decision because it's like the most winning season in school history. So I see that they're winning. You know, they had, I think, two or three players drafted and some more players signed to the NFL team. So I know that they're putting talent in the NFL, so that made a good decision. So, one more before I let you go, because I know you're busy. You were actually talking to your academic advisor in Lafayette. What are you looking to study when you start college at UL? Uh, I'm probably going into school with kinesiology or sports management. I like that. I like that. Zai, you know, thanks so much for coming on, my man. No, it definitely is a weird time, but stay safe out there and can't wait to see you down the road in the Vermilion and White. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Zai McDonald. Absolutely fantastic. I was glad to get him on. Because like, whenever you have people just not necessarily answer your phone right away and it's a new guest, it's not like, guys, when I have on, like Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles, I know that guy's going to answer his phone right away. And when things when he doesn't get us, I can always text him, hit him up, and it's like whenever it's a new guest and we try and get him, it's a little bit different. It's a little stranger, but luckily – we were able to get it in during this segment. Kind of had to improvise the hell out of the beginning of that segment. But hopefully we can get through the rest of the show relatively unscathed. And we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to have Steve Lassen come on the program to talk a little bit about college football, the possibility of it coming back in full. EA Sports College Football, maybe, just maybe, that could come back down the line. I'm just looking forward to that and a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game on 1037thegame.com. And this is Under the Dome with CD.
most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp. But under the dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These count to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game. And welcome back under the dome with CD on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Coming to you live, as always, from the game studios. Hopefully, you're enjoying your Saturday morning. And nothing but great Saturday morning sports talk with you, as always. Absolutely loving it. Hopefully, you are being safe at home. And right now we're going to go to the game hotline talk with our guy, Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports. Steve, what's going on? Hey, Clint. It's great to talk to you. Do you mind if I start off the show with some good news? Yeah, go ahead, dude. Hey, the Athlon Sports College Football Magazine is coming out June 2nd. It's going to be on newsstands. Yes! We sent it it to the printer this week, both the SEC and the National Edition. So it's on the way. It'll be there soon. I cannot wait. I, I'm absolutely overjoyed about the fact that that even even through these like weird times where we don't have sports in our lives, we're actually able to get something in terms of like actual season preview content. Thank you all so much for bringing this back. Hey, we are trying to just keep some normalcy right now. I mean, you know, just thinking about the season, thinking about the potential for some of these matchups this year. Uh, you know, it was. It was a fun magazine to put together. It was certainly the most challenging one that we've ever had to do in my time at Athlon Sports just because of the unknowns. And, you know, just, you know, we, we you normally would come out in late May, but this year we pushed it back two weeks. But, uh, you know, the bottom line is we are optimistic about a season and we're, magazine is pressing forward. So it'll, it'll give us something to, to keep us busy and, and hopeful all, all summer. And, you know, that's kind of what we're all hopeful for as we kind of approach the summer months of college football being back in our lives. And I think right now, like, what's your temperature like right now? What's the percent, like, optimism you have of college football returning at least somewhat on time? You know, I'm pretty optimistic. I I think maybe not starting in week zero like the schedule would be normally. You know, I think August 29th is the week zero Saturday. I I still think the overriding theme is that college football is so important to all the athletic departments as far as funding, being able to fund other programs, other sports, that you see a push in as safe as it is and making sure they can do the testing that they need, making sure coaches and players are safe, that there's going to be a push to play. And I think you're seeing some of that now where – conference commissioners, the NCAA is kind of throwing some ideas out there to see what works, a lot of just models and, and you know, projections now to see what the season could look like. But, you know, I, I think uh, so far, you know, we'll see what happens the next couple weeks with states reopening. But I think the fact that a lot of schools are planning to have students on campus is a good sign. So I, I think just all those factors suggest to me that, in some form or fashion, um, in my opinion, there will be a, a 2020 college football season. And I think we're definitely going to get to that point, Steve, of having college football back. It's just what kind of form is it going to be in? Is it go- like How long can college football go without fans? Yeah, that's the 
big question because, you know, the, the funding that these programs get, you know, a lot of it does come from the TV deals, but it also comes from the in-game experience, fans coming to the stadium, the concessions, all, all of that involved. I think you could see a scenario, at least early in the season, maybe there isn't fans. And then as time goes on, as long as the case numbers in a specific city aren't, um, you know, on the dramatic rise or they're able to get it under control, you could see more fans being allowed into the stadium. I think it's a little hard to see, you know, 100,000 being able to pack into Neyland Stadium and, and Knoxville and, and Ohio Stadium, too, for Columbus and, and the Buckeyes this year. But certainly, I think at some point there's going, you know, fans will be allowed into the stadium. I think the question is just how many. And, and I think really everything that we've seen the last couple of weeks involving college football suggests that there's going to be football. It's just that it's just probably not going to be the normal uh, packed stadiums and crowds that we're used to. I mean, you can about imagine, like, hypothetically, like week, week two of the college football season here in Baton, here in Louisiana, you got the LSU Tigers taking on Texas. I can't picture that without – even like a quarter of the size, like 25,000 fans packing Tiger, Tiger Stadium. I can't imagine seeing zero fans in, f- for that kind of matchup. Yeah, you know, what's, I think what was interesting this week was the Dolphins put out a kind of a plan for the season, potentially. And it suggested they should reduce seating to about 15,000. And there were a lot of different measures in there. And, you know, from distancing at the concession stands or, or having, you know, just one person go get it, um, you know, di- one one entranceway into the stadium for specific areas. Uh, there were a lot, there were some interesting ideas there, and, and that suggests to me that's the plan for a lot of these places. You've seen it kind of being mentioned at South Carolina and for Georgia. You know, both places have suggested that they're pretty optimistic about playing this season but they just don't know what the crowd sizes are going to be. And you're starting to see some schools try to model what that might be as far as being able to distance the fans out. Do they start with, you know, 10,000 fans, maybe only students, and then over the course of the season, potentially you could add more if this goes well. So the atmospheres for this season could be a lot different. And, you know, we've uh, we've already seen Ohio State at Oregon uh, not anticipated to have the full crowd for that matchup and, and what was one of the bigger non-conference games of the season. That's where I was going to go to next because that was something that definitely surprised me. It was like Friday afternoon. We're all kind of talking about everything else going on with the Saints at this point, but then we see kind of what's going on with Oregon. Kate Brown announcing that, you know, you got all the great, all these like festivals and concerts and everything. They should be either canceled or modified that leaves open a lot of different things with Oregon, Oregon State, all the other great programs. And what, I mean, you can about imagine what's going to, it's all, but, you know, at the end of the day, Steve, it's all about if college campuses can reopen, right? It really is. And, and I think there might be a little bit of wiggle room in the open part of that. And I say that because, you know, it would not surprise me if some campuses have the hybrid format going, that, if you want to come to campus, you know, you can come to campus for labs or, or different things. But a lot of the cases or a lot of the classes and, you know, you know, work that involves could just be done online. So in theory, 
you know, one of the things that, that I've seen kind of tossed around is that campus may technically be open. There may be some classes on campus, but a good chunk of those could be held online, which in theory kind of opens up the door for college football to get back. And, and I think it, it would be a challenge, and I think the optics would not be good if a campus is closed and there's you know, potentially a lot of cases, maybe a potential outbreak in a city for a team to try to play college football in that regard. So I think you're seeing schools say they intend to hold classes in the fall. That's a good sign. We still have a long way to go. But I think that shows that they're going to do whatever they can to try to get back to business as usual, which means college football should happen too. Talk right now with Steve Lassen of Athlon Sports. And, you know, just looking at how things are right now and the way things are shaping up, you know, the summer is very much kind of like it's a it's almost a desolate wasteland. Like I'll say this. I am looking forward to what happens with the SEC and media days because everybody else is canceling their media days or moving them to a Zoom conference call. I, I, I want to see what happens with the SEC because apparently they're being like Dr. Strange right now running through every single scenario to try and find out the one where they can wind up winning and have their media day, which is scheduled to be in Nashville this year. Do you see the SEC media day just going towards the virtual conference? Because it's not going to be the same with this being the first year we're going to have Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin both, I believe, on the same day. You know, I, I didn't think about that till now. But, yeah, I mean, the, the, we get Mike Leach and the SEC and SEC media days can be held on a video conference call. I mean, uh, you know, some bad luck certainly involved with that. But, you know, I, I think just seeing all the – I think seven of the ten conferences have gone to virtual media days. It seems hard for, to, for me to see the SEC being able to do media days in person. I think waiting another couple weeks is probably the smart play Things could improve. They might be able to do a kind of a reduced SEC media days. I still think it's going to be very difficult. But, you know, in the SEC, it just means more, and they're going to try to do everything they can to try to get the media days in as full as possible. And that's why I think you're waiting to see any kind of announcement right now. I mean, you would hope you'd have at least some, especially once you started seeing Big 12, Conference USA, even the Sun Belt. Out in New Orleans, we were looking forward to that. It was like going to be like five, the fifth year, fifth or sixth year I've been here, and we've done Sunbelt Media Days every year. We haven't done the virtual Fado Doe, but or the Fado Doe, but maybe they'll have to do that virtually. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that would go on the Zoom calls. Yeah, it's certainly interesting. I mean, this is I, I think the the way this off season has progressed, and the way that this has kind of changed the way beat writers and and other college football writers have covered the sport as far as interviews go, it wouldn't shock me if you see this more in the future. You know, um, you know who, who knows? I mean, this, the, the coronavirus could still be a problem into next year, so next year's media days could be an issue, too. So this may change the way business goes on going forward. Um, and, and I think, you know, to some extent, I think we'll miss media days because of the coverage and kind of the quirkiness and all that involved. But I think at the same time, if we get Mike Leach on a Zoom call, uh, I think we can get some good stuff out of him. But not nearly. it's not nearly the same as opposed to just, like, being there in person and hearing him talk. Like, you know, he, like, last year we got really frustrated at Jamie Pruitt and his, like, 30-minute, like, filibuster of a, of a conference segment. 
Like he just basically he's he gets you get twenty minutes of talk and twenty minutes of Q and A. He blazed through thirty minutes of just rambling about each and every player, each and every little thing. It was the most boring thing ever. If Mike Leach talks for thirty minutes, we're all going to be over the moon because we're just sitting here loving it. Yeah, and there's probably a good chance for thirty minutes it might not be about football. Who knows <laughs> exactly. what it's going to be? It could be about uh, some random animal that he saw on Discovery Channel. It could be about some historical thing. I mean, who knows? That that's kind of the be- the beauty of college football media days is you get these you know experiences and, and interviews and you know it kind of goes viral and it's fun and, and it gets you ready for the start of the season. Yeah. You know, I've I've only been to SEC media days and just in, in general, um, I think a couple times. But I mean, I had a good time. It was fun, and you know, as it gets you hyped and ready for the season because it's it's kind of the unofficial kickoff. You know, you start thinking that gets you right into fall practice. So um, certainly, it's going to be a little different this year. But you know, as long as we can hear from the coaches a couple times this off season, I, I think I'll be ready to go in week zero or week one. Talk right now with Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, and let's let's flip on over to the virtual realm and not talk about Zoom calls here. Let's talk about the EA Sports college football game. The name, image, and likeness stuff has kind of changed the conversation a little bit. It's opened up the door, but then the NCAA has seemingly slammed that door shut at least for like the next year or so. Like, what's the likelihood in your mind of seeing NCAA college football back now that we know? more and more about the NIL and what they want to do with the name, image, and likeness. How much longer do we have to wait to see them kind of start working in terms of an overall group and then we eventually get the get the college football game we've been wanting for years? Yeah, you know, I think uh, of the name, image, and likeness announcements, I think that was probably the one area that a lot of people were disappointed in. You know, there was, there's a lot of back and forth between um, some, con- you know, Congress, the ADs, you know, the people that were working on the committee, not everybody's happy with the, the framework of the name, image, and likeness. But the video game was pretty much universal. I mean, everybody that I seen was, you know, what about the video game? Is it going to come back? I think, I think the thing to keep that I keep coming back to is this is not over by any stretch of the imagination, and that's why eventually I think it will happen. I mean, you see the amount of revenue that this game generates. It's sold, you know, I forget the amount of copies that it's sold. It's certainly not like Madden, but there's a lot of revenue that it's involved in. And you see players say, you know, hey, we want the game. So I think it may take a little bit longer than we wanted to and to have it back in our PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5 coming up at this point. But I think eventually the game will return. And you, you see some different avenues they could explore. I don't think that the union player, you know, agreement they would need. They could find a, a way to work around that and make the game happen. So I'm still optimistic. It just may take another two more years or so before we actually get it back. Steve, thank you so much, my man, for coming on. We'll talk to you down the road, and hopefully, we actually do have like actual football to talk about. Hey, anytime. I'll be sure to send you some magazines, too, so I'll be in touch real soon so we can uh, hopefully make it through this offseason with some football. Exactly, Steve. Thank you once again. That's Steve Lassen, Athlon Sports, at Athlon Steve, and you can give him a follow. And we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. Oh, wait, one more thing. We talk about NCAA football. 
Well, Joe Burrow kind of exposed the business. I'm going to play this real quick, then we'll take a break. The perfect strategy for NCAA Football 14, for those of you who still have it. So do you want to know the, the secret to NCAA Football 14? Yes. Free fire on defense, and then call four verticals every single play, and if the corners are playing off, just change it audible to a stop, and you get completion every single time. Just a pro tip right there for all of you. Joe Burrow, the number one pick for the Cincinnati Bengals, knows what's good. We'll take a quick timeout, and then we'll shift it over to high school ranks in Alabama, and we'll talk about a NFL player that's going to be a coach down the road. Back with more after this on 103.7 The Game. Under the Dome with CD is far from your ordinary sports talk show. I am the voice of the voiceless. What other show has more pop culture references than an episode of Family Guy? I just don't want to be involved in any of that mess. Now, back to the famous CD on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. R.I.P. Little Richard, an icon of music, passed away. The news came out this morning. Sad news, 87 years old. The One of the one of the key cogs in terms of the way rock and roll was back in the gap. Absolutely amazing stories being told about Little Richard. And, you know, again, a Louisiana Music Hall of Famer. Coming up at hour number two, we're going to talk a little bit about that NFL schedule, and I'm looking forward to breaking it down when it comes to the Saints. 16 games, and each and every one of them has something that I like out of them all. And I'm going to give you my game-by-game predictions and also give you some thoughts on the strength of schedule stuff that I saw pop up. People were saying 24th. Well, apparently it's 23rd if you look at the projected win totals for this year. That's a different conversation for hour number two. But real quick, if you didn't see this yesterday, Philip Rivers, yes, Philip Rivers, the man with like nine kids, he is going to go back home to Alabama. That's somebody like high key completely forgot about, went to school at NC State. He's from Decatur, Alabama. So it makes sense. He's going to hang it up after this year and lined up a job as the next high school football coach over. In Alabama, more specifically, this is going to be St. Michael Catholic High in Fairhope, Alabama. He said in a news conference that was like in person, I think like in the midst of a pandemic, having that outside of obviously, you know, governors and mayors and stuff, I think it might have been a little bit too much of a thing. I I don't know why they did it in person, could have just done it over the phone or, or a Zoom conference call, but they gathered a bunch of people around to talk about him being the coach in waiting at St. Michael Catholic High in Fairhope, Alabama. Mentioned that he's had two childhood dreams. One was to play in the NFL, and he's been able to do that now going on his 17th season. It's amazing how long he's been doing that. And then the other was to be a high school football coach, as his dad was. So it's an exciting day. He's going, wow, how blessed am I to have to be able to live both of these out. So big ups to him. Hour number one in the books, hour two. It'll be a lot smoother because we only have one guest, Blaine Henry at 11.30, to talk about the UFC. And we'll talk about that and more next on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com.
This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. It's take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 103.7 the game oh hell yeah hour number two of two of under the dome with cd now underway and we're going to start the hour off right talking some New Orleans Saints. And, of course, you're listening to Under the Dome. And it's yours truly in the house. Yo, it's me. It's me. The world-famous CD. And, as always, we are coming to you live from the game studios. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour. I'm funky like a monkey. Sky's the limit and space is the place. Ooh, yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun here on this Saturday afternoon. One final hour, 60 minutes worth of great sports talk. And we'll start off looking at those New Orleans Saints and that 16-game schedule. It is absolutely salacious, and I cannot wait to spend the next like half hour talking about it because there's a lot of things to break down about the Saints schedule. 16 weeks to look at. We're going to cut it in half. Weeks 1 through 8, the bye week, obviously, we'll skip over. We'll gloss over that. And then in the next segment, we'll talk weeks 9 through 16. But first, I want to talk about strength of schedule and what it's relative to. Obviously, sometimes you're looking at the 2019 win totals from last year. Throw those out the window for a lot of reasons, especially when you look at NFC South teams that you're going to be playing against this year because they're a different monster. That's why, look, thankfully, I saw somebody who I follow on Twitter brought this up. Sharp Football, Warren Sharp brought this up. I'm going to try to get him on down the road to talk about this. And he looked at it based off the Vegas forecasted season win totals as of May 7th. Obviously, these probably could change sooner, sooner or later, but still. Looking at their projected win totals. The Saints have the 23rd toughest schedule according to this. Ninth toughest, basically, in the league. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that they've got the NFC and AFC champions in their schedule alongside the Eagles, the Vikings, and the Bucks, and the Packers as well, all in kind of like that 9-10 to 10 win range. And in the case of the Kansas City Chiefs, they're 11.7 wins projected season win totals. That's where they're at, 11.7. And then you've got the... Bucks 9.7 potentially in terms of their win total, and you play them twice. The Carolina Panthers are five and a half. I believe them. Let me see. This. Yeah, five point five point eight. How does that happen? Is there going to be a damn good team? I think there's going to be better than like five point eight wins. I take the over on that. If I was a bet man, if I in that, and if I was able to bet on sports here in Louisiana, please let that happen once this whole pandemic is finally over. Let us bet on sporting events, especially when it comes to this. 
And boy, oh boy, we've got to look at the projections for those New Orleans Saints. And I've got a lot of different ways to look at it, but I'm just going to go with my heart for these. We'll start off in week one. Saints-Bucks week one inside the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. It's a big matchup. We know the Saints don't necessarily play that well opening night. But I think this is an opportunity for them to make up for their past discrepancies. The Saints currently six and a half point favorites according to different spreads I look at across this great country of ours with all these sport books. Six and a half point favorites. You heard that right. Week one, they've already put out odds for this. So I'd say six and a half point favorites tells me a lot. And I think there's definitely a valid point behind this because this isn't a Brady-Belichick team where there's a lot of continuity up and down this 53-man roster. There's a lot of newness outside of a guy named Rob Gronkowski, the current 24-7 champion. Who knows what's going to happen there once training camp gets started. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Week one is Saints-Bucks at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Give me the New Orleans Saints winning this one. It'll be a hard-fought contest, but the first game of the Brady-Bucks era is a loss. Week two, you're going to be traveling over to Las Vegas, not Oakland, traveling to Las Vegas to take on Doritos. And I'm looking forward to that one. So because it's going to be a lot of fun to see them play in Allegiant Stadium, potentially without fans. Because right here, right now, it doesn't feel like it's likely that we're going to have fans in the first three weeks, in my mind. I'm probably completely wrong about this, but I think we'll be without fans for the first three or four weeks of the 2020 NFL season. You can bookmark it and call me when this when week one you're able to have fans in the stands. That's where I'm at. But again, the Las Vegas Raiders, they've still got a lot of things left to do to kind of shore some things up. They've got some speedy wide receivers. They're doing the Al Davis just win, baby. Al Davis is still making these decisions for this team. Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota, you don't know who's going to be out there week two of the 2020 season. Is Derek Carr their guy going forward? What are they going to do? How are they going to step their game up and be able to compete in a very tough in an AFC West division where they're alongside the defending champs, KC Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers with Justin Herbert. We'll get to those a little bit later. And, of course, the Denver Broncos who are kind of up and down. But the Saints start 2-0 in the 2020 campaign with a nice win on Monday Night Football over the Vegas Raiders. Chucky gets laughed at by his former Monday Night Football program. I think we see the Raiders struggle the rest, of, uh, struggle a good bit of the way. They're actually kind of towards the. Let me see. Yeah, they're actually going to be like a seven point three wins. They've got a pretty decent schedule. It's towards the middle of the pack, according to Warren Sharp's project straight to schedule based off the Vegas forecasted win totals. And then we go to week three. This is a real challenge. This is a tough one for me to make the decision on. That is the Green Bay Packers. Where, how do the Saints play against a team that has a disgruntled quarterback, A.A. Ron Rodgers? What happens with him? A lot of different questions surrounding his future with this franchise. No real targets to throw to. Where where does this team go? 
I'm going to give the edge to the Packers, but it's a slight edge. I just feel like the Green Bay Packers, week three, are going to want to kind of make a statement, and this is a big statement to take on a Saints team that was 2-0 and and could have wound up getting more out of it. And that ends the month of September. We jump into the month of October, starting off with a relatively easy one to go with, and that is the Detroit Lions. In Detroit, the first noon game of the season, they've only got one, two, three, four, four, excuse me, five, five noon games this year. A lot of 7 o'clock games, a lot of prime time, and also a lot of 325 games. That first one of the year is a 325 contest. That's just, it's weird. But the Detroit Lions, they're not necessarily a great team on paper. It's in Ford Field. Give me the Saints winning this one, and they roll to a victory to prove to 3-1. and one. And then they head into the Monday Night Football matchup against the Los Angeles Chargers inside the Superdome. Monday Night Football, right before the bye week. And I think the Saints win this one. Justin Herbert will find out what kind of quarterback he is by the time we get to Week 5, and if he's still the quarterback. Because who knows if Tarod Taylor is going to be the man in charge. Tarod Taylor could be the guy, and that could be an absolute demolishing. And the Saints headed to the bye week with a lot of mo and are 4-1 and one heading into the bye week at week 6. And obviously the bye week don't count, so we're going to move on from it. And then we go to the matchup of Breeze versus Bridgewater Part 1. This is going to be a lot of fun with Joe Brady. He knows that Saints offense like the back of his hand. Teddy Two Gloves knows it like the back of his other gloves. Both of his gloves know what kind of offense Sean Payton and them run. They know what's going on. They know the scouting report. So trust me on this. This will be a hard-fought contest both ways around. But I say the Saints take this one in week number seven against the Carolina Panthers. Sharp teeth and claws, but they take them down in this matchup. I'll talk about their matchup week 17 a little bit later in the program, but that's where I have it right here right now at 5-1. and one. And then you make the trip up to Soldier Field, the Chicago Bears. Die, Bears! They take them on in a really big matchup. That could, it's again, you're playing in early November inside Chicago, Illinois. That's not exactly the best place for the Saints to be at. Remember what happened in 2006, but then again, this isn't a 2006 Bears team. This is a 2020 Bears team with Mitch Trubisky as the quarterback, and who knows how long that's going to last. Right here, right now, give me the Saints winning this one. This is an absolute lock. Yes, you heard me right, an absolute lock. And that puts them at one, two, three, four, five, six, and one through eight weeks of this 2020 season. That's right. Eight, they are six and one in my books right here, right now. That is just absolutely outstanding. That is a hell of a start. Now that second half of the season, that's where I'm going to leave you off. You need to listen into this. Because I think this is where that second half of the season is probably the most important part. It's This season is backloaded for the Saints 
And I've got a lot of different reasons why. And I'll explain them to you in just a few. We're going to take a quick timeout. And when we come back, whoa, when we come back, we're going to make sure we get here again. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about the second half of the season. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Your mind's not playing tricks on you. It's a beautiful Saturday morning. He may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay up there, I'm starving. Now, back to Under the Dome on 1037 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Oh, yes, it is time to kind of keep the conversation going about those at New Orleans Saints. Who that nation? Where are you? 337-706-0111. If you want to drop your predictions as well into the mix, coming up at 1130, we got Blaine Henry of the Fight Library talking UFC. And we're going to talk about 249, the big fights tonight. It is a stack card, but also some news came out last night that's definitely thrown a monkey wrench into all the hype surrounding it. So hopefully we can talk about a fight instead of, oh, hey, you know, a guy contracting COVID-19, and then you see the show get canceled again. We've already seen it get canceled once, and the Khabib fight get kind of knocked off its perch, but that's a different conversation for a different day. That being said, it is time to start looking at the second half of the season for those New Orleans Saints, and we start off week number nine against those Tampa Bay Buccaneers inside Raymond James Stadium, Sunday Night Football. And I'm going with Tampa Bay on this one. It is a controversial pick to some, but look at the look at what they have right now. This will be eight weeks into the season. You'll have had training camp, hopefully. You will have had eight games, hopefully, to play through and figure out what exactly is going on with you and your team. And you know there's going to be a lot of more continuity the second half of the season begins with a loss. The Tampa Bay Bucks get the win. And it's going to be a very close ball game. So giving the New Orleans Saints losing to the Bucks in Raymond James Stadium on November the 8th. And fast forward to the following Sunday inside the Superdome. It's a rematch of last year's probably best game of the year in terms of the regular season with the San Francisco 49ers headed over to NOLA. And I got to give the 49ers the win here. I feel like right here, right now, that loss of the Bucks really shook the confidence. And we see that kind of change their their perspective. And they lose a second straight ball game. Back-to-back losses. That brings them down to 6-3. and three. If you start off 6-1, and one, it's definitely going to be one hell of a season. But it's that second half of the schedule that is going to trip you up, especially when you look at the base projected losses. The second half of the season, from week 9 to week 17, you've got five teams that are projected to have nine or more wins over the course of the year. The Minnesota Vikings, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Eagles, the Bucks, and the Niners. That first half of the season, you're playing teams that are going to be mediocre. you got the Bears, the Panthers, the Lions, the Raiders, 
Green Bay is the only other team that you're playing in the first half of the season that's projected to get nine or more wins. But that one feels a lot more feasible to take. But I still have them losing that ball game because they just it just feels like losing to Green Bay is what is the one game out of those first like heading into that bye week. That's the one game I think they're going to lose because honestly, all the other teams are trying to figure themselves out. Who knows what's going to happen with the Detroit Lions? But the San Francisco 49ers, they've got a lot of continuity coming back. They are the defending NFC champs for a reason. And I think Jimmy G winds up kind of having a hell of a ball game here. But the Saints turn it around at the end of November with a matchup against the Atlanta Falcons at home. That's a big win for the Saints. And I'd say they win by double digits in this contest. It's going to be a fun game. And they improved to seven and three on the year, and they still kind of keep themselves in that conversation of NFC South title contention. Because again, I think Tampa Bay is going to have a case to make late in the season, later in the year. That's going to be where everybody's going to start talking. Meanwhile, the Denver Broncos are beginning a three-game road trip. And it is not your ordinary road trip. It is going to be a hellacious one. Starting off in the Mile High City of the Denver Broncos, I marked that down as a win. They improved to 8-3. and three. The Denver Broncos are going to continue to be middle of the road. Joe Flacco's not the answer. And we continue to see this team flounder and struggling to get things done. John Elway still looking to find his guy in the Denver Broncos kind of continue to tank, and they might be in the conversation of tanking for Trevor. Then you have December 6th to start off the final month, or excuse me, the final full month of the year against the Falcons in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Give me the Saints winning that one as well. The Falcons have become obsolete, and they fade away, and I think the Saints win this one by double digits as well. And they wrap up in Philly. And it's interesting because I brought up the Eagles again. You know, looking at what the Vegas win totals are projected to be, this is a 9.5 win team. Nine and a half win team, according to these Vegas forecasted win totals for the Philadelphia Eagles, which I don't necessarily believe. I don't think they are going to be a team, the Philadelphia Eagles, that can be a nine to ten nine nine win team. And it's largely because of the fact they did they failed at the draft. They went to take the test and failed. They failed the draft. The offseason they had didn't really do much. Jalen Rieger out of TCU and Justin Jefferson was still on the board. Jalen Hurts, somehow, some way you get him to come on to be a Taysom Hill esque player. Instead of trying to bolster up some other position, I get Carson Wentz is injury prone, but come on, how can you not pass on? How do you pass on Justin Bleepin Jefferson? That is a question that I think the Eagles will will regret for years to come. Picking little tiny Jalen Rieger over LSU's Justin Jefferson. This isn't just Louisiana bias here, folks. Justin Jefferson was probably one of the best wide receivers in this draft. And he fell to them. That would have been an absolute steal. And it's not like the Cowboys getting CeeDee Lamb at 12. There was no way we saw that coming. 
I can tell you right now, the Minnesota Vikings are going to be better for years, no matter if they have Kirk Cousins or any other jabroni quarterback, because Justin Jefferson is that damn good. And don't be surprised if Justin Jefferson carves some teams up. That will get to him later on in the month. But I got the Saints beating the Eagles. They have won four straight now. They still have three losses. But their final three games are the Kansas City Chiefs, the Minnesota Vikings. Remember, I brought this up earlier. And then you have the Carolina Panthers sharp teeth and claws. This is a murderer's row. Just for purposes of reference, these are your three big dogs. You've got the Chiefs projected 11.7. The Chiefs, nine wins. I can get with that. The Panthers are 5.6, I mentioned earlier, but I feel like they're going to be a lot tougher towards the end of the year. With the Chiefs, I have that marked down as a loss. Adding Clyde Edwards a layer is absolutely huge for this offense. This is going to be an absolute shootout, probably one of the best games of the year, a lot like what we saw for the San Francisco 49ers game last season. I think the San, the Niners game this year is still going to be good and play high scoring, but I think the Chiefs game is going to be on another level, and it's not prime time, at least right now. Could they be flexed? We'll see. There's five games the Saints have in prime time. Could it be six? We'll see. Then you have week 16, Christmas Day, Minnesota Vikings. I got to go with the Saints winning this one, largely because the Saints have proven they can whip up on the Vikings in the regular season. The postseason, on the other hand, not so much. So give me the Minnesota Vikings losing to the Saints. Justin Jefferson has a hell of a ball game, but the Saints still come out on top and eke one out to get to 11 and 4. Say it with me, folks. 11 and 4. New Orleans Saints are heading into week 17 against the Carolina Panthers. And I would not be surprised, just saying, I would not be surprised at all if the New Orleans Saints and the Carolina Panthers are playing week 17 for the NFC South title. Because I think there's still going to be some things, some kinks to work out with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they could be on the outside looking in and trying to sneak into the playoffs. I would not be surprised if there's two AMFC South teams in that wild card slots because they've got two damn good teams. I just don't see it happening for the Saints to win the NFC South title with a Carolina Panthers team with a lot of experience behind them. So give me the Panthers being the Saints week 17. The Saints go to the wild card round at 11-5. and five. And the Panthers, they're going to be representing the NFC South. And who knows, maybe they'll be going on and being that, I'm trying to think how, how it would work, because now you got the expanded postseason. So now potentially you could have a whole lot of other things happen. But I'm telling you, you'll have two NFC South teams in the wild card round. I'm guaranteeing it right now that in the 2021 postseason, you'll see the Panthers, the Saints and the Bucks, all three of them in the NFC playoffs. Now, how far they go? I don't know. Does the season happen? That's not my. That's not my 
question and answer because I am not the smartest person in the world. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm far from an expert in a lot of things. But I can just say, based off of what I'm seeing, based off of what I'm hearing, this season will go on as planned with fans, without fans, however they can do it. The NFL, a lot like Celine Dion and her heart, it will go on. But we're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're going to jump over to the UFC to talk a little bit about what's going on. UFC 249, is the show still going on? Is it still going to resume after everything that happened last night with Ronaldo Souza? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. From the octagon to the 20 by 20 squared circle and everywhere in between. The world famous CD isn't afraid of tackling any topic. Just don't expect him to get into the ring with anyone he offends. Just bring it. Let's get back to Under the Dome. And this man I'm looking forward to having on because we are finally back in a sense to some form of live sports going on stateside. Yes, there's the Korean baseball organization, but honestly, who is an insomniac enough to watch baseball at 1 o'clock in the morning? I'm not in that class. I'm sure our next guest isn't in that class. He's on the game hotline, and we're talking UFC with our guy, Blaine Henry, the Fight Library Podcast. What is going on, my good man? Yeah, I'm not staying up that late to watch baseball. (laughs) I love it, but come on, man. I can't do it. I can't. I just can't. Exactly. You cannot, but man, oh man, last time we talked, we were kind of just waiting to find out what was going to happen with the next big fight that was going to be going down, UFC 249, and now we're here. Today is the day after postponement and cancellation of the Fight Island and everything in between now, they're in Jacksonville getting ready for the big night, and I think this is going to be a stacked card, even without one of those fights. We'll get to in a minute. But what do you say about how stacked this card is top to bottom? Oh, it's, it's absolutely just hammered from top to bottom. There's not a fight on this card that's not exciting. I mean, the main event, you got UFC 249's uh, uh, Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje. I did a piece on my website about the evolution of Justin Gaethje, and Tony Ferguson is obviously Tony Ferguson. Uh, you've got Henry Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. You've got... Arkansas's Bryce Mitchell, who is one of the most exciting fighters. The second fight on the card, Francis and Ganyu. Uh, Jeremy Stevens is a hard hitter. Greg Hardy. There's, I mean, Anthony Pettis and Donald Cerrone. You know how I am with Donald Cerrone. There's just so many fights on this card. I, I can't wait. It just—it's absolutely amazing how much has changed with just the car. And you know, the card changed a lot with with Ferguson Khabib no longer being able to happen. Hopefully, down the road we can get that fight. What's, like, it feels like hasn't been canceled like 20 times by now? They have canceled the card. Uh, Tony versus Khabib five times. Um, Tony has pulled out twice, and Khabib has pulled out three times, all for different reasons. It's amazing to think how many times that things get gotten canceled. Do you see? Do you think that fight will ever happen? No. I think Justin Gaethje wins tonight, and that's the end of the uh, Tony versus Khabib fight, honestly. Uh, you know, 
it's happened when they were up and comers. It's happened when they were prospects and and contenders, and it's happened three times when they were champions. And I just I think this time's run out on this fight. To be honest with you, I'd have to agree with you. Talking right now with Blaine Henry, Fight Library, you've had enough chances to get it going, and you know I think whenever you have a, a worldwide pandemic, I think that's good enough reason just to kind of let that sleeping dog lie. Yeah, I mean if, if we we. We joke about MMA, uh, the MMA gods, I guess you would say, not wanting this fight to happen four times already, but this time it, it's a global pandemic that put a stop to this card. Um, Khabib doesn't fight because he's Muslim, and it is currently Ramadan right now, which I can't blame him for. That's his religious belief. So I just I don't know if it's supposed to happen, honestly. Exactly. I mean, if it was supposed to happen, it would have happened by now. But one other fight that actually got taken off the card altogether was in the prelims with Uriah Hall and Ronaldo Jacare Sousa. No longer on the card, Sousa tested positive for COVID-19. And, you know, before we get to, like, why, like the actual fight and what it would have been like, why, and, you know, Sousa, in fact, mentioned that he had, had a family member that recently contracted it. Why did he even go to Jacksonville? Could have just called Dana White and be like, hey, like, this happened, I'm going to isolate myself. And giving him plenty of time to try and come up with at least a plan B. Yeah, the UFC would have been totally okay with that. And uh, Jacare is, is of this old breed of fighters that's like, hey, I'm going to fight. I'm here to fight. That's my job. So I'm going to do my job. Um, you know, so I get it from Jacare's point of view, but he shouldn't have been out there. Uh, I'm really, I really, he really shouldn't have flown to Florida. You know, he trains in Florida, so he shouldn't have gone to Jacksonville, is what I guess you should say. Um, but he did, and now, you know. Here we are, a fight canceled, and I'm hoping the, the, the Florida Athletic Commission said the fight card's still going on. I'm hoping somebody doesn't call Disney like they did last time and and got you know the fight card entirely canceled just because of this. Yeah, exactly, because you know, you know that they'd want to call Disney and try and get this thing to end, and that would just be an absolute just death knell to like, every, like a big fight card. Now that happened mere hours before the show starts, and you got to imagine, like that's going to be just crazy to try and figure out who else got, who else could have been infected because they were all sharing the same hotel alongside a lot of other famous people who are out in who are out in Jacksonville right now. It's it's wild to even think about all this. Yeah, if you go look at uh, Fabricio Verdum's Instagram and Jacare Souza's Instagram, um, they said he was isolated, Jacare, but. It, you can look clearly on the Instagram and see him and Fabricio were hanging out. Fabricio's another fighter on the cards. Another great fight, by the way. Uh, they were clearly hanging out, and they weren't quarantined like they're saying they were. So, I mean, there, there's a chance that something will happen, but it's looking like everything's good to go. Ariel Hawani of ESPN reported this morning that the card is still a go for now, so fingers crossed here. Yeah, fingers crossed indeed. And, you know, just UFC 249 all the way around looks to be really good. So Hudo taking on Dominic Cruz. I think it's a, it's your penultimate match on the card. But, man, like that that alone could be a main event, a standalone main event, right? Absolutely. Dominic Cruz is probably the greatest bantamweight of all time. Um, he, he is coming off of a three-year layoff and a loss to Cody Garbrandt. But Henry Cejudo is, is a double champ and a, an Olympic gold medalist. So this is a fantastic main event. The only reason that this isn't the main event is because Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje is such a great fight on paper, um, and they weigh more than they do uh, than the other two do, um, Cejudo and Dominic Cruz. Talking right now with Blaine Henry, Fight Library. And looking at the preliminary card, I think one fight that's just definitely going to pop off to me, you brought up where Doom, 
I think Cowboy Cerrone once again getting back in the octagon, taking on Anthony Pettis. Like we talked about it before. Like Cerrone should just like take a longer break, man, because it's like he he fights almost every like three months. <laughs> yeah, he likes to fight four times a year. Um, he said he wants to fight in all three because they got three cards in this next week coming up. One on Wednesday and another one on this uh, next Saturday. He said he wants to fight on all three. He's a crazy guy. Um, you got to keep in mind these guys get paid to fight, and the more they fight, the more they get paid. And the way the UFC's pay structure works is Donald Cerrone gets paid because he has a lot of fights under his record, so he gets paid more money, and he, he's just cashing in right now is basically what he's doing. I guess it's because of the fact that I've been, like, during this pandemic, and I haven't necessarily watched, like, a bunch of old classic UFC fights. I've watched some here and there. But, like, Cerrone reminded me a lot, now that I've, like, spent some time just binge-watching old shows, is, like, how I'm a... I'm trying to think of his name. I'm a, if you've ever watched the episode of Friends when they have the UFC, like that guy, it was like almost every week he was fighting. Yeah, I, I, I vaguely remember that episode actually. <laughs> with, with Tank Abbott, like I'm like, dude, you you just got destroyed. Why are you going to fight again? Yep, that is that is Donald Cerrone through and through. The dude, he just likes to fight, and that's why he's my favorite fighter. And you know, like we're talking about the UFC, Blaine, and I think obviously one of the other things that everybody's talking about right now is in the world of boxing, you've got the mountain getting into the ring for a big, for literally a big fight. Oh my gosh, yeah, the mountain is fighting Eddie Hall. I forgot, I, I even reported on that for my <laughs> MMA news. Shout out to Eric. Man, so these guys, I'm, I'm going to explain the beef a little bit. These guys are power lifters. The mountain is from Game of Thrones. He's an actor and he's a power lifter. Eddie Hall is the official world record holder. And uh, the mountain broke his record, but it wasn't an official uh, weight record breaking, and they went back and forth calling each other jerks and other uh, names I can't say on the radio, and it's pretty funny. They said, you know what? I'm not going to try and lift any heavier uh, weight. We're just going to punch each other. So this is going to be the heaviest boxing match of all time. Uh, the Mountain weighs 412 pounds, and Eddie Hall weighs 380 pounds. These are two behemoths. It's going to be um, an interesting fight in 2021. Oh, it's going to be an absolute monster of a fight, just because of the fact like we just, like, on paper... Like, the ring itself is just going to be housed by, like, two absolute giants, quite literally, with the guy who played the Mountain Game of Thrones, Eddie Hall. I, I just can't wait for that. But then also, the boxing world had another headline with, with old man Mike Tyson showing he's still got that speed and power in, in a little video on social media. Oh, yeah. Mike Tyson wants to start boxing for charity. He said on Joe Rogan's podcast that he doesn't hit the pads anymore. And it turns out he does now. Um, I don't know if he always has or what. Anyways, so they get reports that Bare Knuckle FC came out and said they want to offer Mike Tyson $20 million to box for them. I don't know if Bare Knuckle has $20 million to give Mike Tyson. They probably can hustle up in sponsorships. But it'll be interesting to see what Mike Tyson does because Floyd Mayweather's done the exhibition match with uh, Tenshin Nasukawa from Japan. Um so I think Mike Tyson will pull in even more because he's even more of a pop culture icon than Floyd Mayweather is. Oh, you know, like, I'm sure Mike Tyson would, would and, you know, we're just going to throw it out there. Mike Tyson in a charity match against Holyfield. That would be amazing. <laughs> Dude, I don't care if they tell me, hey, we're, we're not even going to punch each other hard. We're going to just pitter-patter each other and not try and hurt each other because we're old and we don't want to hurt ourselves during this. I'm still watching it. I don't care what you say. I mean, tell me that would not be like the best case scenario to try. Like, you want to talk about like, oh hey, we're gonna we're gonna do this, 
and be able to donate all this money to COVID-19 research and all that stuff. Tell me that would not be a moneymaker. Oh, that would make so much money. You'd probably cure COVID off of just the donations from that alone. How funny would it be if Evander Holyfield came out with the earmuffs like wrestlers do <laughs> to make sure he doesn't get bit? That would be absolutely amazing. And I say, why not? Make make it a gimmick. Make it like Rocky Three with Rocky taking on Thunderlips. Just make it a gimmick. <laughs> I pity a fool. <laughs> I, I would absolutely, absolutely love to see something like that. But, Blaine, you know, like, obviously you brought up the fact there's several different fights that be going on in the not-too-distant future. In fact, you brought up Wednesday night, the UFC on the four-letter network, Smith Teixeira, the big main event for that one. You also got Andre Arlovsky, who I'm surprised is still fighting in 2020. But, man, it, it feels like they're just going, like, rapid fire like NASCAR is, where they're doing two fights, uh, two cards a week. Yeah, well, the issue behind it is they owe ESPN. They have to put on a certain amount of fights a year. That ESPN pays them seven hundred and fifty million dollars flat, so they they lost two months of cards, which is about uh, th- uh, six to eight cards. So we're going to get some weeks where we have three fight cards in a week. Um, so that's going to be a great fight card as well. I'm, I'm excited for that. So one more before I before I let you get out of here, you know, like we we can talk about all the stuff going on with COVID nineteen and all that stuff. I want to have a little phone, a little bit like lighter side of this. I'm, I'm trying to word it right now in my head. Is what Fight Island would have been like if it happened? Fight Island's still happening, but it's going to be basically like Lost meets Survivor, basically. So if you lose, the Shadow Monster comes and takes you away, and you're never seen from again. And if you win, you, you go on to the next episode. <laughs> so, so what? So what you're saying is it's almost like the ultimate. It's like Lost meets the Ultimate Fighter. Meet Survivor. Yes, I would love that. I, I, you were off this island. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I want that so bad now. It's like it's like the second they get knocked out, you got you have these people just basically grab him, and you never see this guy fight fighting in his career again. He just goes off into into the ether. That would be amazing. Yeah, he just disappears, never to be seen from again. Nobody ever asks questions either. It's just understood that he's gone. Blaine, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road, hopefully, when we get the next big fight card. Clint, I'm excited, man. The fights are back, and we'll be talking again soon, brother. All right, that was Blaine Henry. You can follow him on Twitter, Blaine Henry TFL. I can't can't wait for this because of the fact that we get fighting back in our lives, and it's actual sports. It's not a replay. It's not esports it's not marble racing it's not old wwe shows that they air on fox sports one or whatever else they're trying to trot out right now like behind me on the stadium they were just running some stuff previewing ufc 249 we finally get some form of sports back in our lives and hopefully before long we have full-blown sports and don't you forget I brought up NASCAR a little while ago. Don't forget, NASCAR It will be right here on 103.7 The Game starting next Sunday. The Darlington Raceway 400 will be right here, and they're going two races a week in terms of the NASCAR Cup Series. So trust me, 103.7 The Game has you covered, and we've got a lot of other great stuff going on, too, starting on Monday. It's pretty much, like I'd say, seven days a week of content overnight. You've got... The NFL, we're going to re-air some of the greatest games in NFL history starting Monday with the with the one everybody's been wanting to re-listen to. 
and that is Falcons Patriots. Yes, you heard me right. Falcons Patriots, the twenty eight to three game. We'll hear that game starting at eight o'clock right after LSU sixty. And then starting next week on Sundays and Wednesdays, we're gonna have NASCAR racing. Thursday nights. We've got NFL on Westwood One again, a re air. I off the top I can't think about it, but I know we'll have the Saints Vikings game before long from the two thousand nine NFC title game. You'll hear the field goal of all field goals, one of the greatest moments of all time. And you'll hear that right here on 1037 the game. On top of all that, you got high school football re-airs. You've got the Astros Classics coming up right after I'm done. An old school game from 1980. Gonna be on the airwaves in just a few minutes. And then recrowning the champion, it's LSU Auburn tonight, LSU Alabama next week. Trust me, people. 1037 the game has you covered not just for live and local sports talk, but for just great sports content from back in the day to not too far, not too recent, excuse me, pretty darn recent sports stuff in general. Because that's how we roll here. So I'm going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, be back, wrap up the show with one final take, and I think you're going to love it. You're listening to Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. And when it comes down to it, the thing I want to talk about to wrap up the show is something me and Ben talked about earlier this week, about when I'll be okay with attending sporting events. And there's a lot of different things that I can think about in different contingencies. So I'm just going to go with the route, the first route. And that is, when will I be attending a sporting event from a fan perspective? Because obviously, I attend a lot of games from a media perspective. But if I do go to one from a fan perspective, I wouldn't be okay until October 15th. October 15th, I feel like, is going to be around that time when we start allowing more fans to come into the stands and come into the arenas at a 25% capacity. And we see social distancing being utilized more and more. The reason why I go that route in terms of October 15th, it also has a lot to do with me. Personally, I have asthma, so I, I'm definitely at risk. And I'd feel a lot more comfortable because, of the fact, I think October 15th, that would be when we start to realize, hey, that second wave may not be as bad. And again, this is me saying this on May 9th. I could probably be regretting this five months down the road on October 15th. Hopefully we start to see things turn around and we see the curve start to turn is I'd love to be out of Cajun field from a fan perspective. I'll be out there as a, from a media perspective of college football's back LSU saints everywhere in between. I'd love to be able to cover those teams, but if I don't see a true change, I'm not going to feel comfortable going to these games. I'll cover them from the house. If I have to, if these games do happen and they're and we're able to kind of get these things done and be able to practice social distancing and know for a fact that we, as in the entire media family that we have here and also across Acadiana, is going to be okay. There are some things that are bigger than sports. So, like, at the end of the day, I know that I'd be comfortable going to 
Cajuns game from a media perspective if I know that we are going to be okay. But as a fan, because again, you've got a limited space of people anyways inside of a press box for the most part. You're able to keep a social distance of six feet. That's easy enough. But when it comes to watching a game with a group of fans, that's a little bit of a different ball game. That's a different thing that I can talk about and say October 15th would be the day that I'd be okay with it. But I appreciate everybody for tuning in on this fantastic Saturday morning. It is beautiful outside. I'll go ahead and enjoy some of that beautiful weather. Soak up the sun a little bit after some of the rain we had. And maybe, just maybe, next Saturday. You know, because I think people high-key don't remember this. Next Saturday could potentially be the first day that we start opening back up. Could very well be if John Bell Edwards says, hey, we're going to go ahead and run this bad boy and we're going to do things this way. Next Saturday could be that first day we're actually able to, we're allowed to be out and about according to phase one. But that's, again, a different conversation for a different day and probably an entirely different show. But I'm out of here. Have a great weekend. Have a great Mother's Day, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to my mom. So glad that she's back home. And I am out of here. Be back with you next Saturday. And who knows what we'll be getting into. Hopefully, things rain down like manna from the heavens because we'll talk about everything in between in the world of sports with you next week. Same time, same channel, 10 a.m. to noon on 103.7 The Game.